introduce a little anarchy. Upset the established order, and everything becomes chaos. Welcome back to another Not Your Weekly Sports Pod. Hey, episode two. We made it past number one. Good to see you guys again, man. I miss y'all. I miss y'all. Happy 4th of July to everybody, all the white people out there. Happy 4th of July. Brown people really not celebrating this. I guess any American chef could say that. I don't know if it's woke anymore to celebrate no. 4th of July. Woke culture is kind of pushing it to the side. So I, I actually saw do. a family picnic outside of their house. Were they socially distancing, though? I mean, were they wearing their face else? masks? Considering their lawn is like four feet long. They live in a townhouse, <laughs> man. They had to sit down somewhere, but they were having a picnic. It was cute. That's it was fair. nice. At least they're enjoying themselves. We can yeah, say that yeah, much, yeah. at least. So, I, I went know the to... weather wasn't too hot either, so it was not bad. Not bad. The weather outside's nice. People are by, out by the pool. Everyone looks like they're social distancing pretty good we're all wearing masks of course absolutely that's why you can um, hear so well in the podcast right of course and uh, i have a titanium rod in my mouth so i apologize if my voice is off or i sound less dirkish and this was was this willingly that you put a titanium rod in your mouth yeah or? i should clarify before okay, i make fair. statements yeah. like that <laughs> but yeah went to the dentist modern day torture got that over with so now I'm ready to go into one of the funner topics that I've been holding on to for quite Ooh, some time here. The fun. What If series, where we talk about teams, situations, players, moments in time in sports, uh, and really what could have been in the legacy aspect of the players and moments we had there. The What If series I'm so excited to dive into with you guys today is the Tracy McGrady Yao Ming Houston Rockets of the mid to late 2000s. Ooh, it's a squad. Sounds man. fun. Sounds fun. Let's do it. Very interesting in the context of what happened in the sport during that time and what both these players were and could have been. Uh, so, y'all ready to dive in here? Let's do it, yeah, man. Dude, hell yeah. Fun. All right. One of the reasons I was really excited to do this series, and I don't know if it's the same with you guys or how your fandom falls into this, but the OF. Yeah, the 0405 Houston Rockets were really the first moment of me getting actively engaged with a basketball team as a fan. I think that was the first year I got my T Mac jersey, man. If I'm if I'm not wrong, I think you know the Orlando the Orlando T Macs were one of the hotter shoes. Yeah, Uh, Mm -hmm. interestingly enough, T Mac was the number one selling jersey in China over Yao Ming. And bringing these two together, it really drew me in to the Rockets uh, and really evolved my fandom to a place where I hadn't been before with another team. Yeah, I think that this was the year or prior to that year, we had Steve Francis uh, as our leading scorer. And I don't think Stevie franchise was truly all that when we're talking about taking the Rockets to the next level. So it felt really nice to actually get a proven commodity who was probably the second best scorer in the league other than Kobe Bryant coming in. So the debates good, were good real. Potential. Yeah, the, debates the debates were real as far as, you know, we a lot of people talk about LeBron and Kobe. Well, before LeBron came into his own, it was who is it? T-Mac or Kobe uh, in the early 2000s. And yeah, like you guys said, Steve Francis just wasn't a good fit anymore for this mm-hmm. team. You know, he on. did pretty well with Rudy Tomjanovich and the open court style that the team embraced early on. But when Jeff Van Gundy came around... Uh, and really changed the culture of this team and brought them back to the playoffs for the first time since uh, I was 97, I believe. Yeah, this is when I think 2000s. we had the whole Scottie Pippen, Charles Barkley, Hakeem oh, and the their good last old legs. Days. Oh, God. Good old days. 
Um, and so didn't fit in with his slow grit and grind defense style of play. So shipped him and Katino Mobley and the chosen one, Kelvin Cato, out Ooh. for Tracy McGrady and Juwan Howard Can from the Orlando Magic. Let's go back to that, that contract that Kelvin Cato ended up getting with the freaking Magic. It was like $50 million. It was just unprecedented at that time when... Hey, at least we could say that we had a good knack for catching talent that what what were what wasn't good talent. So have fun paying all that Orlando. Yeah, so I think what was interesting about the uh, Rockets team that ended up acquiring T Mac was this is really the first time in the NBA uh, where you don't have that perennial chosen team before the season gets started. Right? Kobe and Shaq had just split up. They lose in the finals to a Detroit team that doesn't have a true star. And so the NBA is kind of looking for that next dynamic duo. You've got Dwayne Wade and Shaquille O'Neal out east. Who's it going to be in the west? Uh, it's, you know, is it going to be Kobe and the great Chris Mim for the Lakers? <laughs> I don't think anyone had them in the playoff bracket before the season started, thankfully. Uh, but Tracy McGrady and Yao Ming. You've got a 24-year-old Yao Ming who's in his third year, who's making that third-year jump, promising second year, giving you 17-8. and eight. And then you've got 25-year-old Tracy McGrady. I mean, you guys were talking about it before, how the argument was Kobe or T-Mac. This is a T-Mac who's coming off of back-to-back scoring championships in Orlando. Um, This is a guy who at this point in his career was the number two point-per-game scorer all-time in the NBA playoffs. Uh, It is important to note that those are all-time first-round series for Tracy McGrady, (laughs) the second-round version at that point. Um, and so pairing them together, there was a lot of promise marketability wise for the league and from a fan standpoint, Houston, that this was the next big thing. No, I, agree. I mean, this was the changes that we made. We got rid of the people that weren't doing it for us and we had a fresh new face. And so. I mean, I think we're just looking at it from like a, a franchise standpoint. This is probably the best wing player that the Rockets have had since Clyde Drexler back in the 90s. Easily. So, Easy. so if we're looking at it from that standpoint, we have just a pure score. And that's something I feel that this team has lacked in forever. I mean, as much as we love Hakeem, Hakeem was one of those guys that was defense and offensive minded. I mean, we have just a pure assassin in this point. And again, I think T-Mac was the only comparison in his prime to something of that of Kobe Bryant. And and I think Kobe has said multiple occasions that the hardest player that he's had to guard has been T-Mac. So I I think, you know, as we go forward into this podcast, there's going to be a lot of what ifs if, man, if all this stuff stayed healthy. But just for the purposes of the 0405 season, what we were able to get from Orlando and T-Mac dude that that man was a freaking assassin it was exciting man it was exciting for him to come to the rockets from like you said from what we've seen with him and the magics man it just opened up new doors for us and you can't underscore the importance of being able to play with t-mac on the nba 2k games or shout out to the nba live hey, series i used to start with the nba live I'm bro this is when nba live was good you're right that's what nba live was good yeah y'all remember yeah. when Dwayne wade was on the cover of that game and y'all could just throw like some crazy dunks with ryan bowen i used to have was... the first nba live one with ryan bowen dude y'all yeah. didn't realize you just gotta get that bonus and the next thing you know you're shooting at the 360 windmill with some ryan bowen i was a huge there. fan of the uh the one where carmelo anthony was one of the cover guys where they had the dunk contest and the three-point shootout that was a whole part of the game that i think revolutionized the series kind of sucks where it went but 2k picked things up pretty well they did and then i think from 2k you ended up having a lot more realism and unfortunately that realism leads to the 0405 season that we unfortunately had to deal with so let's talk about that team (laughs) in the beginning of the season the roster that really was around team akinyao and and i'll preface this by saying we're going to get to a point with this team where i really think this 0405 season was their best window 
at winning a title had things gone accordingly. Uh, and we'll get into the what ifs of that here in a second. But starting roster, I'll give you guys the starting lineup, the first game of the regular season here, for this team. Here. You've got Charlie Ward at the point guard position. Good old Charlie Ward giving you five points a game, holding it down from the Knicks days with five Jeff Van Gundy. A game. Uh, at the two, you've got Tracy McGrady. We've talked about him quite a bit here. Uh, you know, he's doing his thing, but he's adjusting really to a Jeff Van Gundy system that slows things down. So McGrady didn't have the hottest of starts to the season with this Rockets team. Jimmy Jackson is your three. What do you guys think about Jimmy Jackson? He brings back Fields as a Rockets fan. Man, Jimmy, when I look at Jimmy Jackson, the main thing I look at that is that you had this original guy that you just throw the ball to at any point outside of the three-point range and you knew that was an automatic bucket dude had a sweet stroke man i think people forget that that stroke that that, that man had at the three-point range freaking phenomenal um yeah i think uh the only thing close i remember to somebody having a stroke like jimmy jackson was a player that we're originally we're gonna pick up later in shane battier but yeah jimmy jimmy jackson was solid bro Give you a little bit that you wish you had on defense, but I mean, yeah. Nice stroke, man. Nice stroke. So to round out the starting lineup, Jawan Howard at the four. Uh, You know, we trash on Jawan Howard in his Rockets tenure because of the lack of compliment that he gave to Yao in the front court, but he was serviceable. Nine points a game, gave you buckets, good little mid-range relief for Yao Ming. Uh, and I think ultimately his loss later in this season is what derailed the series against the Mavericks. We'll get to that. And then Yao Ming, we got to talk about this guy. I don't know if you guys know this. He's uh, seven foot six. Ooh, seven foot six. Seven foot six engineered beast down in the post. He had the right hand. He had the left hand. Baby hook, turnaround jump shot. A guy who, for a good part of his career, shot your technical free throws yeah. for your team. That's just amazing. It man. is. And the I think we. shooting your free throws for Oh, dude, it's beautiful. Are you kidding me? And I think we talked about this earlier as well of just the versatility that having somebody like Yao Ming and T-Mac on your team together would give you in which if you ran a pick and roll, you had a guy in Yao Ming that if you ran a pick and roll, dude didn't just have to cut in and get to the uh, get to the paint like every other center in the league. Dude could pop out probably the best mid-range talent that we've had at the center position for this whole decade. So you knew that, hey, if he didn't go in deep to get a bad matchup, he could just T-Mac could just pop outside and that was an easy bucket at any corner. Dude, the, he's going to shoot over anybody. Seven foot six. Yeah. Like who's, who's going to guard that? Thing. like if you look at a, just an odds end type of thing it's like if you're if you're running a pick and roll system and the point guard trails and ends up on Yao Ming okay that's an easy bucket for Yao in in the paint uh or if you ended up having the guy didn't want to switch on the pick and roll and you still have that center you you're just dragging that center out to the to the like outside of the paint. endless man exactly yes the un the really part of Yao's career that I think is kind of the unsung defining point for the teams that he played for is his defense too all the big time centers that went up against Yao tended to struggle and he tended to win a lot of the head to head matchups. He even made Shaq work for it when Man, he was a rookie. He stood his ground against Shaq, dude. Rookie and that's Yao Ming going against prime Lakers Shaquille O'Neal. So Yao gave you a defensive identity where during this Jeff Van Gundy period, the Rockets were consistently a top three defense. Oh, easily. Jeff Van Gundy, Tom Thibodeau working with a 7 6 versatile center down in the paint with some pretty good pieces around him. Uh, again, that just goes to emphasize the aspect of this team that made them so special is that they had that defense. Yeah. And the important teams in the league this year had a big man that you had to handle in some way. And I think, going off your point of what we're talking about with defense, people want to, you know, just looking at today's Rockets defense and people harking on it, calling it bad and calling it horrible. Dude, 0405, this was a top five defense. We have it ranked on just the defensive rating as the fourth best defense in the league. 
this is a Houston Rockets team that we're saying is the fourth best defense in the league, that they're actually better known for their defense than their offense. So, yeah, I just wanted to throw that in there. So, you know, shout out to Tom Thibodeau, shout out J- JVG. You guys, defensive yeah, first. Job. Yeah, defensive great first job. really gave, gave this team a solid identity. Yeah, having an identity as a championship team, I think, is important, especially when you've got new pieces in place all over. So, that lineup that I just mentioned, uh, it sounds a little bit anemic on offense. So, they didn't really start the season all that well, which. I think a lot of Rockets fans and NBA fans in general, if they remember anything about the early T-Mac and Yao years, they remember that uh, San Antonio Spurs game. You guys know what I'm talking about here. 13 and 35, Tracy McGrady bringing back a Rockets team with under a minute left down basically double digits, making miraculous shots, four-point plays, inbound steals. And a game winner that capped off one of the greatest comebacks ever. Probably the most iconic moments in NBA history, man. Honestly, that is unbelievable for somebody to do something like that. So here's the thing about that game. Prior to that Spurs game, the Rockets were 8-11. and So this team didn't start out with where the expectations Mm -hmm. were placed. Well, I mean, it was the first season with them all of them working together. So, yeah, it's going to definitely take some time to get there. So I I expected it to pull up on a slow start, of course. But... Not like that. Yeah. Not I, like that. And I and I don't think anyone expected it to be that slow. So some trades were made by then GM Carol Dawson. They bring in a few pieces here. First off, Bob Sura, you know, oh, someone one of my favorite guards yeah. ever in Rockets history. Just a guy who looked like he'd be in the movie White Men Can't Jump, just hustling <laughs> dudes with his buckets. Hey man, dude was a dude was a beast for the Cavs, so it was really nice to have him here for an age. Solid, yeah. solid ten point five rebound, five assist guy. Just a good compliment in the backcourt. So he player. he comes back. Uh, the Rockets made a little trade with Jim Jackson to the Hornets. They get David Wesley, another great defender despite being undersized, and one of their better three-point shooters in the backcourt, which they were sorely lacking. Uh, they pick up John Barry along the way, son of the great underhanded Rick Barry. Uh, and John Barry was great for this team, too, in the limited minutes he had. You know, 35 years old at the time, but he's still giving you a creative playmaker out in the wing and a pretty good three-point shooter, too. Uh, and then last but not least, who? Mike James. Mike James. Gets brought to the team. A guy who gives you a solid 12 to 15 points a game off the bench. Again, you're lacking that backcourt explosion off the bench. Mike James really filled that role well for them in the second half of the season. Absolutely. So this Rockets team ends up going 30 and 11 in the second half of the season with those additions. And they have a pretty good season here. 51 and 31, yeah. which is only good enough to give them the fifth seed where they have to go up against a 58-win Dallas team in the first round. So that's your reward for having that nice. season and yeah. having the incredible Here, here's second prime run. Dirk just for you, right? Yeah, no no big deal. You just got to no play the second best international player of all time. Have and you have to play that. that second best international player of all time. Again, let's throw a little shout out here to Lifetime Sugarland's own Hakeem Olajuwon. Uh, <laughs> greatest international player in NBA history. But you have to play that first round matchup against Dirk and the Mavericks without your starting power forward, Jawan Howard, who we lost to a meaningless game in March against the Warriors. Uh, and who's your backup for Jawan Howard? This is your weakest position. You've got the Ryan great Bowen. Ryan Bowen, yeah. the guy who gave you a little over one point per game in the regular season, guarding the greatest power forward 
Is it fair uh, to say that we probably have a higher combined vertical than Ryan Bowen? I don't hey think man, this he, is he, he tried. All he right, tried. he tried. That's that's all that matters. <laughs> hey he chef, tried. I tried too, bro. But I'm not in the NBA, so I felt like you would have had a better effort than he would have, man. Come on, one point. I feel like any bum can wake up and just score a point. So it's really unfortunate. Dirk and the Mavs, great series here. Honestly, this was one of the one of the weirder, more exciting first round series. I think this was probably the best first round series in the West at that time. Uh, at a point where the top four teams here in the West, you had the Suns, number one. They had their, you know, little iconic transition to the Steve Nash pick and roll Mike D'Antoni era. Spurs, number two, who the Rockets matched up well with great. And then the Seattle Supersonics. Man, that that name brings back some good memories. So yeah. Ray Allen, Richard Lewis in their primes doing their thing. So, you know, this is a top four team. Top four really Western Conference bracket where if the Rockets were to break out of the first round, it's anyone's Any game, ball game, yeah. right? So first round versus the Mavericks, game one and two. On the road, you've got iconic moments from Tracy McGrady and Yao Ming to steal two games in Dallas. Yeah. You guys all remember the great Marv Albert quote, he just sucked the gravity right out of the building. <laughs> That's true. Tracy McGrady probably with his greatest dunk ever over 7-5 Sean Bradley. Oh, the Rockets win game one off of monster performance from him. And then game two, Yao Ming absolutely Blow dominates up. the Mavericks. Yeah. Yes. Yao Ming goes off in game two. Uh, he had 30 plus points. He went 13 of 14 from the field uh, and really does work. And of course, McGrady has the game winner in the last seconds right. of the game to steal it. I think this was Yao's series to just dominate. I mean, who did the Mavericks really have to try to, to match guard up? Him? Eric Dampier. Yeah, yeah, Eric Dampier. Good luck, Eric Dampier. Try guarding a seven foot six monster just in the paint. I Especially think, with the footwork Yao has, yeah, dude. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I think that uh, you know, I, I think the Mavs had solid wing depth to try to guard T Mac. I mean, this, this is the same squad that had, I think you had Josh Howard on this team, Jerry right. Stackhouse, Michael Finley. Yep. This team was deep. I think that was the main uh difference between I think we'll get into this, but I think this was the main difference between the Rockets and the Mavs this series was just the depth, depth. that the Mavs had. And that's had where it's killed us for other seasons too. Yeah, like yeah. you said, we'll come across no, that. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Depth, man. So, yeah, those first two games, you guys said it. Yao Ming dominated. McGrady did his thing. But depth was a big issue, especially at the front court position for the Rockets. You know, Ryan Bone and Scott Padgett split a lot of minutes. Yeah, sad, sad names to bring up given the other front court success this team's had. Um, and so game three, they come back to Houston and – you win two games on the road, you're looking at a sweep at this point. And I remember you thinking that. You should be that feeling good, man. Going to their house. 13-year-old Vala uh, in the <laughs> locker room after imitating Tracy McGrady. Getting moves, hype. <laughs> uh, just bringing out the broom with my buddies. Oh, God. So game three, Dallas actually ends up stealing from Houston. Game four, they also take from Houston. And what's I remember thinking about these games is how the Mavericks and uh, the officials, shout out Tim Donahue, <laughs> really mitigated Yao's success. Game three, Yao Ming has five fouls. Game four, he has five fouls again. You know the crazy thing about game three is just looking at the stat line. You know who the leading rebounder for game three was? Who Bob Sura, 11 rebounds. Wow. That's that's how much we had Yao Ming mitigate. A seven foot six guy barely had less rebounds than Bob Sura at six foot five. So this is the series that uh, Tim Donahue's famous for mentioning as one of those that that was rigged by officials or gambling was involved in where officiating definitely altered uh, the events here. 
you win two games on the road, you have to be dominant in some fashion. And that doesn't just flip in one moment. We're not to get to in, into conspiracy theories here, but the fact that you're doing this against a Mavericks team without any forward help um, on their own home court was really impressive to see. And it's disappointing to look back on this series and see them waste away game three and four. But game five, you know, this is the game where a lot of people say whoever wins game five wins Take the series. Home. The Mavericks take that one, too. So they win three in a row. The Rockets settle things down at home in game six. Can we just say, like, these three games, bro, like, we're talking about a total of what, like, what, four, four, three. Like, you have a total of 11 points deciding the the, game the whole game for all three combined. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's that, that was close. So I think officiating just comes huge into this, you know. So if, if Donahue is throwing these games, a four-point spread for two games coming forward with this, dude, this, this could have been anybody's game. And on top of that, the Rockets are at home. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, I mean, this could have this could have easily uh, the fact that it went seven games is shocking because this could have easily been a swept in the Rockets' favors. And then, so with that in mind, everyone's thinking Game Seven is going to be another close one. This has been the most exciting series in the playoffs thus far. So wow, on the road, can Houston pull it off again? Let's see. Uh, and Game Seven turns out to be a forty-point blowout in the Mavericks' favor, and the Rockets get thrown out of the building. Just sad. Sad way to end the series, man. Keeping up with them this whole way through and then 40-point blowout. You guys suck, man. You guys hype this game, this season up as being, oh, we're going to win. We didn't know it was going to be a 40-point blowout. (laughs) No one knew besides Vala. Had they had had a good starting power forward to match up against Dirk, I think an officiating wasn't an issue in the background. Was it potentially? Who knows? But let's just keep that in mind. Uh, and you pull it off against the Mavericks in the first round. Who knows what happens with the Bro. Rockets? They matched up well with all the other Everybody teams. Else, Their size yeah. gave the Suns problems. Their wing play was too much. Nobody on the Supersonics could handle them. Uh, and then the Spurs, again, they matched up well with, with their see, front Going court. back to this series, right, what we were talking about earlier with depth, yeah. look at the stat line for Game 7. So, Solid, you know, solid output from Yao Ming and T Mac. Yao gives you 33 and 10, and T Mac gives you 27, 7, and 7. Who's your next leading scorer on that game? David Wesley has seven points. Wow. So get this David Wesley, seven points. After that, Mike James with four. You had nobody else on that team during that game that gave you double digits. No one actually could step up. On the other side. Exactly. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You you just didn't have the talent. On the other side. We had the one-two punch and that's it. Bro, easy. On the other side, who'd you have? Jason Terry, 31, leading point scorer. Second, we had Josh Howard, 21. This is when Josh Howard was was an all-star, 21 points. Michael Finley gave you 13 for crying out loud. Dirk had 14 points in closeout game seven. You had three guys that were. That should tell you for somebody like Dirk to not even be able to put up max numbers like that and still have us get blown yeah, out. I mean, yeah, I mean, a game 14 and 14, but this is yeah. again the second best international player in the history. It just gives you 14 and 14, you lose by 40. It's a luxury to know that your number one guy doesn't, doesn't have to, to go anything. off for 30 points for your team to win, and yeah. that and that comes to be really one of the defining legacies for this Houston Rockets era is that unless Tracy McGrady was giving you superhuman 2K99 overall rating Tracy McGrady type production, which a lot of times in the playoffs he didn't 
uh, your team was hard pressed to win because of the supporting cast around yeah. him. Yeah, I was injured. Yeah, it was very hard to say if yeah, I was at 100% most of the time. And, you know, we'll get to this in the future. But, uh, you know, other than Meta World Peace, who would you have as a third win- as a third player that you would count on and give you 20, 25? Well, I mean, you, you can look at it like nowadays in the NBA too. You need your supporting cast to help you out. Like you cannot just have two people doing everything. Yeah. Once they get benched, man. No, for like, sure. You're gonna be blown out by everybody else. That's yeah, playing. I mean, look at the right. past champions for the four uh, for the past four or five years, right? If you don't have a good supporting cast, or if you don't have at least two or three guys that you know can drop twenty or thirty at every night, uh, you're toast. You're Your just, bench you're, performance has to be there, man. right? And like, if you got to be at least aware of what's going on you need to go in there and make your mark you can't just go in there do two three points come back out have your starters pull up all these points for you no right man. i mean tell me dude, that's not how you win games third, if your third leading scorer for a game out a game seven closeout game gives you seven, seven points, points. That, i mean come on dude you can't expect i mean and then you lose by 40 come Seriously. on so going into the offseason that year the real focus is finding that next piece that complements to mac and you perfectly pick up, we pick up man so free agency, you go and get a 25-year-old Stromal Swift from the Memphis Grizzlies who's giving you 10 points and 5 rebounds a game. Really good production uh, right behind Pau Gasol and that competitive Memphis team. So you got a guy who compliments Yao, who can be that cutter, that athlete that you're looking for, that you can match up against these great power forwards Swift out west. Remind me of somebody from the from the N one mixtape, bro. <laughs> like a guy, <laughs> legit, just a baller that could just have like a forty inch vertical, throw windmills like it's nothing. One so. of one of the all time great dunks. A lot of people don't mention is when he slammed it down on Yao Ming oh, in their man. matchup against us. He absolutely posterized Yao and it was good to know that we're getting a guy getting who, can somebody on that, our team for that. <laughs> who can bring that highlights style power uh, what we really lacked in the front court That'd forever. be similar to the Mavericks trying to pick up T-Mac after the embarrassing moment he had on Sean Bradley. Oh my. <laughs> so we bring him in. Uh, they draft Luther Head in the first round. Six foot three shooting guard from Illinois. Pretty promising rookie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's a little one-two combination that they were hoping to throw in there. Uh, and he gave them a good rookie show out. And then they bring in backcourt help in the form of Ray for Alston since Bobby Sura has been going in. So Ray for Alston, pretty good with the Toronto Raptors. We all know him from his and one mixtape. Uh, skip, skip to my Lou, skip to my Lou, throwing up the floater. Gave him 14 <laughs> and six with a Raptors team. And you're hoping to bring in a guy who can give you that give good, you consistent numbers, yeah. backcourt help for Trace. Hopefully more, more depth. And then, of course, we can't forget one of the all-time Rockets greats. They brought in Chuck Wagon, oh, Chucky Hayes. Hayes. The one closest most, thing to P.J. Tucker we have. That, that's yeah. true. And one of the most painful free throws in NBA history to watch. <laughs> the triple has hesita- The triple has hesita- <laughs> So this season, How guys. You on your toes for that free throw? This was, <laughs> this was a tough season to look back on. Pretty much a wash, right? Tracy McGrady only plays in 47 games. I remember him considering quitting basketball at some point around the All-Star break this year. He took some games off for personal reasons. It's just sad to see, man, because he had had such a good, like, the games that he played, dude averaged 20, like, almost 25 a game, right? And we're talking this as a bad, you know, as a bad year and, 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 McGrady's repertoire of years, but we know he can put on. Yeah, I mean, bro, this know. was this was twenty. His stat line was nearly twenty five, six and a half, and five with one point three steals a game. Uh, you know, shooting forty percent from the court, thirty over thirty percent three point shooter, seventy five percent free throw shooter. Do you know a solid? I mean, consider that by any other player, and that's their career year. It's interesting you bring that up because McGrady only played forty seven games that year. Yao only plays fifty seven. Uh, what's interesting, though, is the Rockets were still competitive in games that McGrady played and Yao missed. But the games where McGrady did not play, 
I remember them having very, very, very difficult time uh, being competitive offensively. I mean, to the you point take where, away that score, man. That's yeah. our number one score. That you wing that score, away, right? This, yeah. team, this team was 29th out of 30 teams in offense this year. So missing Jeez. McGrady for a little over half the season yeah. did them in. And that season ends up being a wash. They go 34 and 48. They're the second worst offense in the league. Still maintaining that defensive identity. Um, but again, this is a wasted year for young Tracy McGrady and Yao Ming. Would you call it wasted because we did have the late, the great, not late, the great Moochie Norris on the squad? Bringing Moochie back again is one of the great decisions that Carol Dawson did to cement his legacy as one of the better GMs for this team. I would solidify this decision as being one of the main ones that should have kept Carol Dawson over Daryl Morey, but that's just me. When you have a great I afro. Agree. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, when you I have agree. a great Give afro. a better like name that, than Moochie, Moochie Norris. Norris. Yeah, so Moochie Norris withstanding. This season's tough to look back on, and we can move on from it to happier times. <laughs> happier times come in the form of the 06-07 season. We all remember this season starting up with the firecracker uh, trade, uh, draft day trade of Rudy Gay for Shane Battier. They ended up trading Rudy Gay and Stromal Swift, who had a you know a pretty decent season with the team, but didn't end up being that complimentary piece they thought he'd be. So they trade those two out to the to the Memphis Grizzlies for perfect complimentary piece three and D glue guy Shane Battier, like another that, Dookie. That's Dookie my dude, like man. That. I love his defense. I think we forget like that's my dude. One 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 thing about these Duke guys, high high IQ NBA players, mm-hmm. and I think that's exactly what you needed for this squad. I mean, a guy that consistently over forty percent three point shooter knew his role would guard your best defender, would free up T-Mac from guarding any player that you that you needed on the wing. And, and it's not would, even any worry having him guard the other team's exactly. best player. Like you, that's his role right yeah. there. And we're okay I mean, we talk that. about the Lakers, right? We talk about like, you know, T-Mac being the best, uh, you know, shoot, like the best scoring option in the West other than Kobe. The fact, the luxury of knowing that T-Mac does not have to guard Kobe anymore. The and the fact in the face, Shane Battier. Exactly. Defense, the fact bro. that you have something like that, I think Shane Batty was just one of the Good most pick, underrated bro. pieces Good on pick. this Rockets and, team. And you know, one of the things I remember <laughs> thinking back on with Shane Batty on the Rockets is with that slow half-court offense that Jeff Van Gundy run, Shane Battier was an underrated low post player. He had a nice little baby hook that they used to run low yeah. post sets for him for. Great. So he fit in nicely with the team. I think looking back on it, good we piece, all agree man. that it was a good Great move. Piece. So quick thing, if you guys had to choose better defensive player, P.J. Tucker or Shane Battier? Oh, man, that's tough. I mean, they're going against different people. But I've always been a fan of Shane Battier. I take Shane. I'm taking Shane Battier for sure. Tucker is definitely, there's no argument here that he's under-recognized for the defensive work he does. But Shane Battier, just one of the great perimeter defenders. And what he brings, what he maximizes with what he's good at is more than the versatility than P.J. gives you. I would would agree. And I I think that was one of the strong points of the 06-07 season as well. Yeah, so Battier is on the team, and you go ahead and sign Bonzi Wells too. You know, consistent double-digit score. Yeah. Where we know him from his days with the Portland Jailblazers. <laughs> Dude was a monster with Portland, man. So he, you get another offensive threat here, where we talked about the lack of offense, almost to the point where they were anemic in the prior season's yeah. playoffs. Uh, and you draft Steve Novak in the second round, the guy that Tracy McGrady called the automatic assist when Ooh. he passed him the ball. All right, so this season, y'all, this was. One of the Looking more good, exciting man. seasons. I yes, think this is this is the most dominant regular season Rockets team we saw during this era because they ended up going. Uh, what was their final record? Fifty two and thirty. 30. Yeah, they go fifty two and thirty. But what people don't realize is Yao only plays forty eight games. Yeah. 
So the games that T-Mac and Yao did play together, this team was dominant. Yeah. I mean, statistically speaking, this was Yao's best, best year. year. 25. Dude gave you 25, 10, 2, and like, you know what, two blocks a game. I mean. They really started focusing the offense on Yao here at this point. They they did a much more in and out style of play. They started going away from the pick and roll that T-Mac and Yao ran yeah. to getting Yao involved. And I think, you know, when you have a guy worked, like. Man. When you have a guy like Shane Battier, a kickout option there, uh, they also called him the team's best entry passer, yes. which is sad to say how difficult <laughs> it was at times to get the ball to Yao. Uh, it, they had a much easier time, much more efficient time getting Yao involved yeah. with that 25 and 10 Compared season. to last year, too. I mean, you have five guys that in the regular season all average over 10 points a game. And I, I think, you know, for further fruition, this was Luther Head and Ray Alston coming into their own as solid, solid debt pieces as well. Uh, Luther Head averaging, you know, a 44% three-point shooter in the Steph Curry range of percentiles. And Ray for Alston, 36% three-point shooter. So you had two guys that, if McGrady's trying to cut in, were op- were solid options as three-point shooters. I, I shoot all three, right? Luther Head, Ray for Alston, you Shane Battier. right there. Exactly. In, so this was just construction-wise. I think this was Carol, one of Carol Dawson's. Team yeah, Carol Dawson time. did a great job in this in this team as well. Yeah, no. Getting a good supporting cast, man. That's not no, no argument from me either here. And Tracy McGrady gives you 71 games this year. He has a little bounce-back season. He needed that death time off man he went to disney world did whatever he had to do <laughs> got back with it and look at him this still the, season. it still looked like he didn't sleep at all for the, like three it's just the way straight. he looks man <laughs> that's just the way he looks he looks like he just woke up all right but he puts up numbers to no, make count. I, I would i would definitely agree with that this this team definitely gave you a lot more than what you had last year and i think you know addressing the main concerns that you had uh, with the 0405 team, with the 0506 team, and depth being your largest concern, I think this year you did a you had a solid concerted effort on Carol Dawson to try bringing in more depth to be more competitive with these teams. They, they definitely addressed the concern. That's that's for a fact. They addressed yeah. the concern. Yeah, 33 year old Juwan Howard that gave you almost 10. Bonzi gave you about eight. Chuck Hayes never showed up on the stat line, but was somebody that you could plug in at the three, four, or the five and could do all the dirty work. And Dikembe, still a reliable still backup reliable. center, you know, coming in there and plugging right in when Yao goes out. You know, thir- old Matumbo, 40-year-old Matumbo here gives you 75 games yeah. and starts 33 of them. Yeah. So you have really all the right pieces in play here. And despite- I think we had a good previous season as a trial run to yeah. put everything in place. Like you had your two pieces of Yao and T-Mac. Right. Now you're just building around that. I think this was a good season for a start. I agree. So, I- so the focus of your offense going down and missing near half the season, you still win 52 games. And your reward for all that is probably the worst matchup yep. that you can face in the first round in the Utah Jazz. Oh, God, man. When we look at this squad, does it just hurt knowing that this wasn't even the best Utah team of all time? I mean, we had the 90s dynasty. This team had Darren Williams, Carlos Boozer, Andre Karolinko, and Mamed Okor. This was your squad. And I mean, if you look at the rest of the West at this time, this team should have been nothing. You, You should have gone through this team in four or five games. Like, how did you let Carlos Boozer just out just destroy a team with T-Mac and Yao as your focal points on an offense. I really do think this is a series where Jeff Van Gundy got outcoached by Jerry Sloan yeah. here. Jerry Sloan created all the right matchups. He had Yao he Ming had, switching yep. on Boozer and picking and pops, and Boozer just worked him with his mid-range game oh, and versatility. Mehmet Okur is the center a lot of times. Yao is not going to be able to go out to the perimeter and hold a guy uh, who shoots 40% from three-point range. 
So you have really the positions that we're weakest at, the power forward and point guard. And the biggest strengths of the other team are at our weakness. Yeah. And let's not forget Andre Karolinko, right? We have a guy that's multiple first team all defense guarding T Mac. I think the, when we look at T Mac, right, what was the main thing on T Mac? T Mac was 6'9 with like a 7'3 wingspan. Karolinko was a white version of that, like just Basically. on a defensive point. That's So you had a guy that can neutral. You, know, you can't say that that much. How many players are there in the NBA that could neutralize T Mac? Andre Karolinko was one of them. And then, yeah, and then who'd you have trying to guard Darren Williams? You had Luther Head and Reefer Alston, both not known to be defensive powerhouses at all. So you you couldn't put Shane Battier on uh, on Darren. Realistically, Williams. on paper, we had the team. We we definitely we had, had the team. the team stacking up against whatever you want. It's just situational things that happen in the game. We were not. I mean, yeah, I think it goes man. back to what you were saying, Vol. I think Jerry yeah. Sloan, uh, the guy who the guy who in the nineties with the with the, probably the best dynamic duo that we had in the pick and roll game of Carl Malone, um, of uh, Carl Malone and John Stockton. I, I think he came back into fruition in 04 and in this two, in this mid two thousands team with Darren Williams and Carlos Boozer as well. He really did maximize all the talent on that team. You look at all those players we just mentioned, and they had the best runs of their career uh, with Jerry Sloan and the Utah Jazz. Paul Millsap, too. People forget. People, you yeah, that was a young court depth and young yeah. Paul Millsap uh, running with those jazz squads. So this ends up being a really bad sad, matchup yeah, for the Rockets. A sad end of a season for us. But you know what? Game one and two, they end up winning at home. So another playoff series where they start out 2-0. and oh, And I remember thinking back as a Rockets fan, there's no way they can blow it twice, right? That's just mathematically speaking. It doesn't happen too no. often. So we got this series. And Yao Ming dominated. He averaged 28 and 11 in those first two games. Uh, horrible shooting nights from Boozer and Okor. Uh, and McGrady gave you a little 30 piece in game two. So things are looking good when you ship this team off to one of the worst places to play in Utah. Oh, God. Uh, and in game three, this offense goes for 67 points. Man, I think that's just the underrated aspect. And we saw in the last dance, and we see it from a lot of other players as well that talk about Utah's, Utah's stadium feels more like a college basketball mm-hmm. stadium. And that noise just echoes. We talked about the low roof line that the Warriors had in uh, in Oracle. And this is the same case that you had in Utah as well. So we talk about home court advantage. Keep in mind that in Salt Lake City, this is the only professional team that they have as well. So they're, they're the fan base is there, man. Exactly. They got yeah, it. Absolutely. Yeah. So the offense goes for 67 in game three, and they only go for 85 in game four. The bench averages 11 points a game during this stretch. Luther Head, who's your sixth man during the regular season, who gives you a really great double-digit yeah. option off the bench with a little versatility in defense, he ends up averaging under five points a game during this series. And I think that that was kind of the theme of this series is having bad matchups against the Jazz who give them uh, a lot of depth and a lot of firepower at positions we're weak at uh, and really nothing off the bench for Houston. So game five ends up being a close win at home, actually, for the Rockets with McGrady and Yao showing up uh, and doing big things there. Uh, Utah gets game six. And Game 7 comes back to Houston for, again, one of the more exciting first-round series we had there. So Game 7 was an absolute nightmare game for me. I remember thinking uh, the team came back from a deficit in the second half, takes the lead going into the fourth quarter, uh, and those matchups really, really came to fruition during the last five minutes of this game. You guys remember uh, there was a point in time where we just needed to secure a rebound to come down and tie the game yeah. in the last 30 seconds. And just the way Okur and Boozer stretched Yao out and forced us 
to have our undersized backcourt try yeah. to get a rebound. Good luck. Really ended yeah, things you, there. Played yeah. us perfectly. No, I'm telling you, it was, we we were put in a position where it literally had to be on that court. Ray for Alston, Luther Head had to get a rebound over somebody like Darren Williams. And if y'all remember, Darren Williams was a big point guard, big chunky dude. So you had, and then on top of that, Andre Karolinko with something like a seven foot wingspan in itself. It, it just it didn't work didn't well. Work Andre Karolinko going against a Tracy McGrady who's yeah. absolutely exhausted carrying the off offensive load from this team being the only real playmaker on the perimeter that can give you something and create something and having that burden on his shoulder uh, Andre Kirilenko wins, wins that matchup every time so the Jazz secure rebounds they end up winning the game 103 to 99 uh, and you have the end of the Jeff Van Gundy era in Houston here tough end of the season again this is you got to keep in mind here in the grand scheme of things this is the season where the everything looked good everything looked great all the pieces were in place and and you know what the warriors even end up upsetting the first seeded dallas mavericks 60 plus win team so you'd go into the second round playing a warriors team that had absolutely no answer for Yao yao ming in the regular season they had guys like al harrington trying to match up with Yao, and Yao gave them steady 30-point games and dominated the pace of the game. So, again, this is a season where if you could have gotten past this Jazz team, maybe secure a rebound, maybe McGrady makes a couple extra shots during a series where he had a very subpar true shooting percentage, you go on to the second round and take the Warriors, and you've got yourself a Western Conference Finals matchup against the Spurs team who become the eventual champions, who, like we mentioned before, the Rockets matched up with great. Perfect. I agree. Yeah, I think, I that think that Duncan, game, uh, yeah, the that Duncan Yao matchup game. would have been phenomenal. And I, I don't think the Spurs really had that much uh, of an answer for T-Mac. So I, I think it could have been a solid matchup. And Not I mean, a lot of people do, man. Yeah, and I mean, look, dude, again, just I'm just looking back at the stat line at the final game. Dude, Boozer had, I think, 14 rebounds. Okur had 11 rebounds. Yao Ming had four rebounds. Seven foot six Yao Ming had four rebounds. Nobody on our squad had double If you told me before the game started... Those are going to be the numbers I would not have believed. And that, that just that blows just my mind. That's just how it is, man. You yeah. would not expect something like that to happen. Horrible matchup. Unfortunate. Sad. So do you think that, Val, do you think that this year, that this playoff series was the reason why the decision was made that we let go of Jeff Van Gundy? Yes. Uh, I think it was, it was the last straw uh, for a good amount of time. I think Les Alexander was looking to get a little more offense involved uh, he wanted more excitement for the team with the viewership that they had in china and so this is the last straw for uh, a team that jeff van gundy wanted to come back to yeah. i remember in his exit press conference he said he was just waiting for an answer from the rockets and the rockets just decided not to bring him back and didn't necessarily fire him but they split ways for mutual reasons was the quote uh, which I think Van Gundy doesn't regret. He seems to be living life as a broadcaster, uh, running around Rice University with his bald head blinding <laughs> many students. Hey, man, I could probably but, say that JVG is probably the best broadcaster on ABC basketball. Most Easy. entertaining to watch. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I think this led to a whole a whole regime change within the Rockets organization in 2007, 2008, if you want to get into that now. Let's do it. Absolutely. You have the start of the Daryl Morey era, Morey ball. And honestly, guys, what I remember about this offseason is this is probably the best offseason in terms of surrounding talent with complementary pieces that I've ever seen from a GM. 100%. We talk about depth, and I think the the issue of depth is fully addressed by Daryl Morey in this first year. Rick Adelman comes in, and you just end up having so many old pieces from the Kings also come in. Yeah. What happens? You, you draft... Aaron Brooks. Aaron Brooks, 26th pick of the draft. And Nabil, you mentioned depth. 
This is a this is coming off the heels of a Jazz series where Ray for Alston averaged 44 minutes a game. Yeah. You had no backcourt depth, so you get Aaron Brooks with the 26th pick. And, man, just as a Rockets fan, a lot of fond memories with Aaron Brooks. 20 a game as a starter when Clutch. he came into his own. Great guy off the bench. Pretty good rookie season, too, as a contributor. Uh, contributory piece here for a Rockets team that ends up making the playoffs. He really reminded me of somebody that could have been like a Mo Williams, and he actually oh, yeah. he he ended up ha- you know averaging that in the future as well. So solid pickup, solid Good draft, pick for us, solid yeah. draft piece for N- another Murray. draft piece for Daryl Morey here, who's always been known to do well with late picks. The Rockets end up making a trade in the second round to acquire Carl Landry. Uh, you know, Jawan Howard's getting up there in age. He's not the same as he was before. And you need a little more athleticism against these stronger teams out West who have that front court depth. So Carl Landry ends up being a huge regular season and playoff piece for them, giving them points off the bench and that front court depth that they've lacked. And then one of the more underrated trades in Rockets history, they end up stealing Luis Scola from the San Antonio Spurs. Wow. I yeah, mean, I mean Argentina's second best player of all time. I, you know, I, this was this was a guy that I thought that the Spurs would hold on to, considering the ties that they had to Manu Ginobili. One of the best role players in my opinion. Oh, easy. Time. I mean, Great I look guy. at I look at Luis Scola, and we, when we look at that, you know, this this twenty two game winning streak that we're about to talk about as well. I think the most integral piece of that whole thing was just Luis Scola. I mean, a guy that it took him a while to come into his own, but when he did, he knew his role so well, and he played that role to a T. You know, I would attribute this to two guys that you had on the squad, and Shane Battier and Luis Scola, ultimate glue guys that I think any championship team would need, and, you know, which I think... Good just, pieces for this year, bro. Yeah, Honestly, just, it just made it even worse. Knowing you you think about McGrady, uh, and again, this is the 07 playoffs, another interesting tidbit here. This was the playoff series where McGrady was really they really honed in on the fact that he'd never been out of the first round. And he made the guarantee that this if we don't make it out of the first round, it's on me. It's on me. It's on on me. me. Uh, and he breaks down in the postseason uh, little game seven press conference. A lot of the offensive focus was on McGrady and there was a huge burden on him. And this offseason saw a lot of guys coming in who could be focal points of their own in offenses. Carl Landry. Fun fact about this guy later on in the Rockets, I think it was the 2010 season, was the number one fourth quarter score point per game in the entire league. Carl Landry could hold it down. Luis Scola, low post presence with multiple moves and dominance out in the European leagues for all that time. Uh, You bring in, again, like we mentioned before, Aaron Brooks, who becomes a 20-point-per-game guy, and then Rick Adelman, one of the all-time great offensive coaches ever. And I think the main reason you make those moves for Carl Landry and uh, Luis Scola is to directly address the issue of what you had last year losing with with Carlos Boozer destroying any four that you had. You have two guys that could probably handle Carlos Boozer. You still have, yeah, that could handle Memento Core. So I think just in direct uh, competition from what you had last year, you address the issues that you were trying to you know trying to solve with Carl Landry with Luis Scola again you have a young Luther head who's getting better you have uh, I think this is just a, a team in general that has a lot of young talent that was able to get better and then all the veterans that were able to I think way that. more potential than last season in my opinion oh absolutely and I think that was the beauty of this is that you didn't tear everything down knowing that you, you still had exactly had, exactly which I think you know which then led to that 22 game winning streak right like I mean look where at amazing team. happens yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> so like you said Nabil 22 game winning streak uh, fun fact Stevie franchise was also on this team at hey, some point got him back um, the franchise and you, you go 55 and 27 you're number one in the west at some point 
So everything seems great, right? This is the season where they break through. Uh, and then, of course, God Hates Houston happens. <laughs> Guess who we play again. And Yao Ming gets injured in the middle of the 22-game win streak. So the weight of the entire offense is once again on Tracy McGrady. Uh, he's the lone star on this team with a bunch of young guys who, who are starting to come into their own, but they haven't reached their potential or realized uh, how but to be But that's a pros. huge hit for us to take, man. Our one-two piece missing that big piece. So, you know, they make a little midseason addition to try to get some offensive firepower. Bobby Jackson, Jackson another Rick Adelman familiar on the team. Uh, but again, they have another first-round matchup against the Jazz. McGrady looks gassed and looks like he's playing through injuries. I think that's the beginning of his scope series with yep. his knee injuries. Uh, and you have another first-round loss against the Jazz. Yeah, I think when we look at the Jazz this series, um, you know, I think the Jazz just they gave just Jerry Sloan. Number, yeah, just gave Jerry Sloan another year to prepare. Um, I think that was an, an issue that we had. And then on top of that, you know, Darren Williams is getting better. Uh, Boozer is getting better. This whole squad that the Jazz had were just getting better, and we were losing talent. So, you know, we didn't even take the Jazz seven, I believe. I think this was a six. I think this was a six. six-game yeah. series. We yeah. won so two this games, maybe? Just sad. There were some good moments here. I remember Carl Landry breaking his tooth in Utah and then going on to make the game-winning block on Darren Williams to secure a win on the road for us. Uh, you had McGrady having some great performances too, but yeah, Shane Battier leading score game, game one, one, right? Yeah, yeah. even though he lost, but I mean, I think again that shows the the depth of this team when you need somebody like Shane Battier, who's a career under ten point scorer, need to score twenty to even stay relevant in this game. I'm confident in saying though, if this team had Yao Ming with the full squad that we talked about before issue, here, th they would have beaten this Jazz yeah. team yeah. for sure. You have Rick Adelman, no offensive. Uh, deficiencies here with his coaching staff and then you've got the pieces around T-Mac and Yao that I think really are overwhelming for Utah if you present the depth along with the star power that we had no I would agree with that I think this was the year that um, this is our year yeah no I, I think Utah also did a pretty good thing for their end they added Ronnie Brewer they added Kyle Korver um, you know they added to their deficiencies which was three-point shooting to this team as well and again I think by having a seven footer that was fully healthy, I, I think this could have been a competitive series go, going again to seven. Uh, I think just not having your second best player on the squad, maybe even your first, but having just losing that um, just really hurt this team and, you know, led to another failed season in 2007, 2008. I think, I don't think we were good enough to win the championship this year. I think this was the year that we had the whole uh, Celtics and, um, and uh, Lakers, Lakers matchup. That's right. But uh, you know, I think this could have been, been a team. Yeah, this could. That's what I'm saying. This could be a really good season to see uh, T Mac and the T Mac and uh, Kobe matchup that we all right. yearn for so badly. And that's a Lakers team that was missing Andrew Bynum in the playoffs. So Yao Ming could have really done some work against their front court there. Uh, and again, Kobe and T Mac. We missed out on some special matchups. Oh, yeah, we I missed bet. out on Kobe and LeBron and Kobe and T Mac. I bet. Yeah. So it would have been good been to real see. Real fun to watch. Yeah. And I mean, I guess, uh, I guess this then brings up to the next season, man. I think well, it's solid to say this was easily the best, the most the potential, best squad we have ever seen from this whole era had. in the Rockets. Yeah. This is this is the next big three, right? You know, yeah. you have the Celtics with their big three in 0708 and then. 0809, the Rockets draft uh, Dante Green with a late first round pick. He goes off for 40 points in the summer league. So everyone's hyping up this six foot 10 wing who can get buckets against the professional level uh, defenders. And we use that hype 
to ship him out to Sacramento to yet another Rick Adelman familiar. Tell him who we got, man. Meta World Peace, yes, sir. formerly known on the streets as Ron Artest. My God. God. We're talking about 3 and D, guys. This guy is the definition of that and then some. Guy who is dropping 20 points, five, what, four or five assists, rebounds for days, steal God, on-ball defender that would just... I don't even care about his numbers. His defensive gameplay, dude, that is unbelievable. Dude scared all the people that he guarded. He scared people on the streets, too, just with the way he talked. And I think the fact that you now have two 3 and D guys that could just go back and forth at guarding any potential wing, Shane Battier and Metal World Peace on the same team to guard any wing that you throw at him and could probably switch off onto any other player that you would need as well. Dangerous. This was this was the best defensive team that we, I think, had as a Rockets. Well. So let's think about the team in the grand scheme of things. I think if you look at just last year's team, going 55 and 27, missing Yao Ming for a great part of the season, let's just add Yao Ming back to that team for a full season. That's maybe a 60-win team. Oh, easy. So you have that same team. You have Aaron Brooks... Carl Landry and Luis Scola, all with a year's experience in the league, coming back, all meshing. The system that we've been playing in, man, they're used to all that now. You bring in Vaughn Wafer, who's another firecracker offensive player, and you sign Brent Barry, a veteran three-point sniper, to your bench, who just coming off a championship culture in San Antonio and is bringing that culture with him over here to Houston. So you have this team, and you're adding basically. Probably one of the top five wing players in the entire NBA in Ron Artest. We talked about depth on this team, and we talked about it before. You had six guys on the squad that averaged over 10 points per game in the regular season, and you had eight guys that averaged over nine points per game in the season. So this is the most deep team the Rockets have had during this whole era, bar none. And, I, I mean, I think this this was the year. This was the year that you could have looked at it and say that the Rockets could have gone. We had gone, all eyes were on us, man. You, you could have done it. You could have you could have gone deep. This could have been your year to do it. Um, man, what what is there to say about this year, dude? What, Injuries, what is there dude. To say? Yeah. Injuries had to kill us. T-Mac played 35 T-Mac. games, averaged 15 points a game. Ugh. I think you know, Tough. yeah. This was this was the beginning of the end for T Mac, which just which just sucks knowing that this is the best chance Team that T Mac that we had, had put together. Yeah, best supporting cast. A lot of the just, a lot of the T Mac haters go to this year to really back their points up on their disdain for Tracy McGrady. This is the year where he quit on the team in Toronto, right? Yep. Uh, he started walking up and down the court, hands on the hips. Uh, and so the Rockets were actively looking to trade him that season. I remember there being trade rumors around the league that they were looking at the New Jersey Nets' Vince Carter uh, at some point. And so McGrady shuts himself down to avoid the trade. This was crazy, crazy sports story during the trade deadline. I remember them bringing it out as McGrady telling the media before telling the team that he was shutting himself down and getting microscopic surgery on his knee. So McGrady goes down. The Rockets make a little midseason trade to get more backcourt help. They trade Ray for Alston to the Memphis Grizzlies for Kyle Lowry, which yeah. a lot of people forget. A lot Kyle of people Lowry, forget that was he had his start in Houston. So yeah. you've got a little two. You've got two two-headed monsters at the point guard and power forward position: Lowry and Brooks, and you've got Landry and Scola. You've got Von for another young wing. Uh, four out of these five guys I just mentioned are younger than twenty-four. 
Uh, and you've got Yao Ming as the centerpiece of this offense, really having what I think, maybe not by the numbers, but just by the dominance in the time he had Probably and the, the impact he had. the best supporting cast he had so far, man. And I think the best the best we've seen Yao Ming. Yeah. I think we're talking about season. the most efficient Yao Ming that we've had. 86% free throw shooter, uh, 55% field goal shooter. I mean, you know, nine, about 20 and 10 with two blocks. You know, Yao's always been an efficient juggernaut when it comes to being a center in, uh, in the NBA. But I think this year was the creme de la creme and being the most efficient player on this team. We're talking about 62% true shooting percentages for a center. center for a center. Yeah, that's <laughs> so, unheard of, huh? So he really, yeah. And that dominance, it didn't stop in the regular season. Yao was a clutch playoff performer for this team time in, time out. And he showed that in the first round for this team. Uh, we ended up going 53-29, and 29, which bought us a first-round bout against the Blazers, their first playoff appearance in quite some time since yeah. the Jill Blazers years. Uh, and I, Yao Ming dominated yeah. this team from the get-go. Yeah, you had no, the, the yeah, Blazers no had no answer whatsoever for Yao Ming. I mean, this was a young LaMarcus Aldridge that was the center point of this offense. I don't Brandon think he was Roy. ready or prepared. No, not at all. Brandon Roy, same all. thing. I, I, I don't think this team was ready for a veteran Rockets team that's been, you know, tried and tested that's been the first hungry, round. dude. They've yeah. Been, I mean, season after season. The first close. round that you've been, you know, getting past it, nearly getting past it. And funny enough, the year that you don't have T-Mac, <laughs> you get past the first round. <laughs> so Yao Ming in that first game against the Blazers, they blow the Blazers out in Portland. They win by 27. Yao starts the game in the first half with 24 points, doesn't miss a single shot, goes nine for nine from the field and six for six from the free throw line and sits out the rest of the game, only plays 24 minutes. The Rockets dominate the Blazers. And that was the story of the rest of the series as well. Uh, they dismantle the Blazers in six games and they go on to the second round. Uh, against the Los Angeles Lakers, the defending champs of the West, the eventual champions of that season, uh, and this is a series we got to spend a little bit of time on. This is one of the one of the better moments in Rockets history. Happens here during this series, and uh, we can break down what happened with you guys. Yeah, I mean, if we look at this series, finally, we I think this is the eventual Lakers Rockets matchup that we've yearned for so long, so long, wanting to see it. And you know, sad enough, this ends up happening without, without a uh, without T Mac. Yes, sir. So you know, it, it happens. Um, and again, I think what you were missing and what you wanted for this is when we were talking going back to the two wing defenders. This this is why you end up having a Shane Battier and a Meta World Peace is that you have two guys that can alternate on Kobe Bryant. Yeah, sadly enough, Kobe being Kobe being Bryant just goes off this series. You know, I mean, it's Kobe Bryant. Like, yeah, what are you really thirty-two gonna... game one, forty game two, thirty-three game three. I mean, you know, we do our best in trying to hold down Kobe Bryant, but I mean, Kobe becomes Kobe. Game one, we end up winning hundred to ninety-two. Game two, one eleven ninety-eight Lakers. Game three, the Lakers win again. I mean, this was just a solid, solid series. Uh, you know, went, went seven Surprising games. without a T-Max, seven games. Yeah, series, I mean, man. who would have thought that we'd take the Lakers seven games, right? I mean, this was the closest we could have gone to a championship. If we would have won this, um, I think know, we would have had it, dude. Yeah, this would have been our year. Yeah, so they go down 1-2 against the Lakers. Everyone pretty much counts the Rockets out. And then game four... Houston comes out with no Yao Ming. He broke his he broke his foot out for the rest of the series. Aaron Brooks with thirty four points. They come man. out against the Lakers and show out here. Yeah. Um, nobody was expecting this team to come back the way they did. A lot of people counted the Rockets out for the rest of the series, but they really showed a lot of heart, and a lot of it came from those young guys we mentioned before. 
Uh, Chef, you mentioned it. Aaron Brooks goes off for 30 points. Are you kidding me? Uh, then you've got other contributions from my man Luis Scola. Luis Scola, fourteen rebounds, man. That's that's, a, that's unbelievable. That's that's with the team with Pau Gasol and, and Luis Scola out rebounds Pau Gasol. Double double from him. You've got twenty three from Battier, twelve points from your backup guard and Lowry. So all the young guys really stepped chipped in up, here man. to get they that really win and tie today. the series up two two. So then, continuing on with this series, you go on game five, and the Lakers just blow us out here. <laughs> 118 to 78. Uh, the Lakers show who they are. They're the, the champs here. This comes to this comes back to just a healthy LA squad with Pau Gasol, Lamar Odom, Kobe Bryant. I mean, Kobe, Kobe had a lot of help with this team, and you know, it really showed in this series where you're missing your two best players. <laughs> Yeah, so we go on to game six. Everyone expects the Lakers to wash this up. The Rockets had a little burst of energy to tie things up. Lakers dominate them. So everyone expects this series to be closed in six. This game six was one of my favorite memories as a Rockets fan is the team coming out to just show who they were. We've got Aaron Brooks and Luis Scola going for 26 and 24 respectively. Meta gives you a respectable 14. Landry with 15 off the bench. Everyone chipping in to give them a hearty win, uh, a 15-point win over the Lakers, which I remember being much, much bigger. I think the fourth quarter, they just sat some guys and got the lead down. Um, but the Rockets tie things up, take the Lakers to seven games uh, during a playoff run for the Lakers where they didn't need any more than five games to beat every other team that they matched up against, yeah. including their finals I think this was a Magic. real gut check, man. Yeah, I mean, the Lakers, Lakers were playing bona fide superstars, taking themselves up to where you know where they got to this point. And then Especially you get to with us not having our superstars. Yeah, and you know, you, you have a, a team just full of role players with uh, honestly saying Meta World Peace probably being your best player on this team. Um, and, and, and Meta's main job is to guard Kobe, right? Like the, the, you can't expect Meta to give you twenty five and, yeah. and twenty five and seven guarding the best player, uh, the best scoring threat in the NBA at this time. So you know that, that, that just takes shows. A toll on you, man. Oh, I'd yeah. be surprised if this guy was even putting up fifteen points. For I'd be sure. exhausted. And that just shows you the depth uh, of, of players that are just stepping up to you know take to, to punch above their weight, right? Like I mean, 30, 30 plus from Aaron Brooks. I mean, sheesh. Who would have thought? So yet another what if, right? You've got what if McGrady and Yao played in this series. I think the Rockets could have matched up against the Lakers and potentially taken them down had they just had Yao Ming added to this yeah. team for the full series, let alone a healthy Tracy McGrady. So again, I think this playoff series once again defines the legacy of this McGrady Rockets series uh, as another what if. What if we didn't have the officials against us and Juwan Howard didn't get injured against the Mavs? What if we were healthy for that 05-06 season? What if we had a better matchup than the Jazz for two straight years? And then what if we just stayed healthy? Really, it just comes down to that for this duo. I think this last 08-09 season was the biggest what if, man. Yeah, I, mean, I think it, that was the closest we were been. I think it, it just sucks knowing that this last year that we had this duo together mm -hmm. was the best team that we had surrounding them. And those our two best players couldn't stay healthy. Injuries. And, you know, our, our supporting cast, for they the first up, and man. only time, they stepped up. Stepped up. We go time. from 04 to 05, where we have a guy that can barely give you seven points uh, in a game seven to having a, having a, a team full of guys that are punching so much above their weight class and trying to hold this whole squad Would down. Would it seem like the Lakers, man? So th th I think this whole, this whole team just comes into a full circle of what if, of, you know, built from just T-Mac and Yao to build a team of T-Mac, Yao, and a solid supporting cast. 
Great pod, y'all. I love it. I really love talking about the T-Mac and Yao era. Um, it's our first What If series, man. There's going to be for, plenty more to do. First of many, if you guys have any suggestions, feel free to tweet us out at Not Your Weekly Sports Pod. Um, we always love suggestions, and we got plenty more What If series in the works for y'all. All right, man. Well, this was fun talking to you guys. It was great, Nabil, Vala. Yeah, man. Always a freaking pleasure. We love y'all. Keep it safe. Keep it easy. And we'll see you next time. Deuces. Deuces.